Hey everyone, welcome to the first episode of the VoxCast, the official podcast of Vox Teen Communications, where we teens sit down and talk about all the craziness that happens in the world. I'm your host, Kenneth Franklin. Today, I'm joined by the inaugural VoxCast team. Hey, what's up? It's Galil Shipman. What's up? It's Mac Walker. Hey, I'm Haley Henderson. Hi, I'm Kiana Martin-Sanders. And here's Mac Walker with music. What's up, everyone? It's Mac. The song of the day is Really Though by Danny Brown, featuring Ab Soul, Earl Sweatshirt, and Kendrick Lamar. heard the song, I'm definitely going to check it out. It has Absol, Earl Sweatshirt, and Kendrick Lamar. Yeah, two, two out of three of Black Hippie and one of Odd Future. This uh, song isn't really one of my favorite songs, but I do think it uh, basically shows what Danny Brown's about. The beat's weird. Danny Brown is a weird individual, and it just plays into the music. The features just make it stronger somehow. Like, it's kind of hard to explain, but just with the lyrics that they're, that they're spitting, it just makes it great. Um, my favorite verse of the of the song is probably uh, either Kendrick's or Earl Sweatshirts. Earl Sweatshirts is the ending one, and um, Earl's actually been killing the rap game. He hasn't dropped uh, in he hasn't dropped in a while, but I'm sure that that will change in 2017. Absol had an album that came out in uh, 2016, the same day that J Cole dropped his For Your Eyes Only, and uh, uh, Danny Brown also dropped the album Atrocity Exhibition, which this song came off of in uh, late 2016. And actually, speaking of Kendrick Lamar, on Good Friday, you know he dropped that album. Oh yeah, damn, yeah. yeah. This album is really bumpy. However, I don't believe it's one of Kendrick's best albums. Um, Usually, Kendrick's flow uh, it has Kendrick's style is more of a linear storyline type. Like in, for example, on Good Kid, Mad City, it all started off from talking about his love interest Shireen, all the way down to him getting in trouble with his friends. But this has a more mainstream feel, feel to it. Um, it features people such as Rihanna, who's been uh, huge in the music world for the past five to seven years, basically. Um, there's also some lesser-known features on there, like uh, U2, that's a, a rock band, and a guy named Zachary. But um, they all do really good on their parts of the album. But my favorite tracks include uh, DNA, Element, and Lust. It was really dope. Did you listen to it, Kalu? Um, Yeah, I did listen to the album. I've actually had it on repeat um, ever since it came out. So I've listened to it now probably like 14 times, and there are 14 tracks, and they are all great, in my opinion. Mm, I agree with that, actually, but I don't think it's one of uh, Kendrick Lamar's best. Kendrick's dropped how many? Four? Yeah, yeah four yeah, albums, This is actually like my least favorite album from him in recent memory. Like, I like it more, I like it less than Section 80, which was like little itty-bitty child Kendrick Lamar. Um, this this one was all right. It was just really poppy. There aren't a whole lot of songs I'm crazy about on there. Like it starts off really promising. It kind of just takes a dive, and then he's doing a 
bunch of weird singing song bits that I wasn't too crazy about. I like that part. I really like that he tried to do a little bit of a new thing. Um, I, I think that's very apparent in songs like Element, where he's sort of mocking Drake's style, and so he takes his flow. Yeah, it's really oh, funny. Yeah. It's really comical, actually, where he sort of takes his flow and then takes the sort of content he would rap about and um, just makes that his own, and I think that's why I love Kendrick. He can do whatever he wants and make it his own. There was uh, some type of speculation that just just because that Kendrick dropped on Good Friday, they thought that he was going to drop another album on Easter Sunday. In Damn, Kendrick seems, well, he seems to die in the first very first track. So people were speculating just because he died, just as Jesus died on Good Friday, that he'd uh, resurrect and have a second album on Easter Sunday, which would have been really, really great. But it turned out that that actually didn't happen and Kendrick didn't drop. So yeah, Kendrick Lamar actually tweeted about um, people's rumors with the new music. This is directly from his Twitter. He says, Ken folk, thank you for the desire of always anticipating new music of my own. None is coming. My work will be in our future TDE dates, though. 100 hashtag damn. Do you see that as a shocker, though? Like, I, I wasn't, I wasn't really. I, if it happened, I would have been lit about it, but I didn't really see it coming. Uh, yeah, I think I, I wasn't really surprised. I was disappointed because I like damn, but I, I was kind of underwhelmed with it. So I was like, all right, this is gonna be the, the, the great follow-up. This this Sunday, it's gonna be great. It's gonna be the best thing ever. But I, I, I didn't really get my my hopes up because we can't really pressure artists to just put out work because then it won't be good. Now, other drops are going to be happening in the next few months and that have already happened include Joy Badass. He dropped on April 7th, which is the day that Kendrick was supposed to. But I found it kind of uh, awesome that Kendrick gave Joey the time to shine. Uh, Gorillaz is dropping soon on uh, We All Go Crazy by Gorillaz. April 28th, yeah. April 28th, that's when it's happening. Logic's uh, dropping in May. And so is Mac DeMarco. And Lil Yachty, he, on Friday, he said that he was dropping on May 26th also. Feel like removing myself, no feelings involved. I feel for you. I've been in the field for you. It's real for you, right? Shit, I feel like ain't nobody praying for me. Ain't nobody praying for me. Now it's time for movies and TV with Khalil. Hey, what's up, guys? It's Khalil. And today we have a big slate, but... All of these shows are really great. So we have Legion from FX. We have The Get Down Part 2 and 13 Reasons Why from Netflix. We have a little throwback, which is Shaft from 1971, a really great detective movie. And then Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 and Master of None Season 2. Uh, their trailers just dropped. So uh, we're going to talk a little bit about those. So I finished Legion. Have you? What do you think? Yes, of I have. Um, the best part about Legion for me, because I watch so many shows, is that it's only eight episodes. So that was really, um, that's really great for people that have to do a lot. And I know teenagers were always doing a lot, always doing homework, extracurricular activities. You know what it is. Legion stars Dan Stevens as David, 
uh, Rachel Keller as Sid in Aubrey Plaza, um, who you might know from Parks and Recreation um, as Lenny. And the show is really about David's story. And he was this boy who was always convinced that he was mentally ill, that he had schizophrenia. And so he spent years in and out of psych wards and taking prescription drugs that he, it turns out, did not need because he was a mutant the whole time. And all these drugs did was dampen his powers and hide the fact that he was, in fact, one of the most powerful mutants. It was her power, I, I think. Can you explain that? So was he crazy or? Continue. He believes he's mentally ill. But he may be the most powerful mutant we've ever encountered. Can we take a break? Please. So, Khalil, how does this relate to the... How does the TV show relate to the Marvel MCU? Well, to tell you the truth, it actually doesn't. Because Fox owns the X-Men, they have the right to any characters that are associated with the X-Men. And Legion is very associated with the X-Men as he is a mutant. So this has no ties to um, either universe, the X-Men or um, the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Basically, Legion's kind of just what happens when you just find out that you're God one day. Um, yeah, more or less. He has <laughs> telekinesis, which is the power to move things with your mind, and he can go into other people's minds. And as we find out later in the series, it's not a spoiler, it's in the trailer, um, he can go into the astral plane, which is a mindscape where you can sort of do whatever you want and it has no effect on the real world, only your mind. And so that's really what's explored in Legion. The experience is more like reading an indie comic or reading a very strange book, and that's what I loved about this series. It was so authentic, yet so strange at the same time. Legion season has already ended, and where can people watch it now if they want to catch up? Well, if you really want to watch it, which you should, you can find it on the FX Now app and the FX website, as well as Hulu. So we're going to move on now to our Netflix shows, The Get Down Part 2 and 13 Reasons Why. So first, The Get Down Part 2. So The Get Down is this hyper-realistic look at life in the 1970s South Bronx, specifically that portion of New York. It was super poor and um, mostly black people and Latino and Latina people were um, forced to live there due to um, economic reasons. But what The Get Down explores is this sort of phoenix rising out of these burning buildings, these literally burning buildings, as you see in the show, of artistic people um, that are passionate about what they want to do and they follow through with it. So it specifically goes through hip-hop culture, and the main characters are Shaolin Fantastic, a DJ um, who you might recognize from the movie Dope, and we have Ezekiel Figaro, who is a poet and as he's called in the series, a wordsmith, who you might know from the movie Paper Towns, and Ziggy, who does graffiti, is played by Jaden Smith, who you might know from, um, you know, like being Will Smith's son. Uh, karate Kid also. Oh, yeah, Karate Kid. Most definitely. Remember those cornrows in China? That was awesome. The staple of his career. Uh, most definitely. Um, but to get down, I, uh, part two, I really enjoyed it for the most part. Uh, I thought... Okay, one thing I will say. Mm -hmm. I don't know what they were doing with the soundtrack. That was some weird shit. Because yeah. in part one, it would mostly be music reflecting the era. They had people. They brought in people who recreated music from the 70s and whatnot. 
Then in this one, there's like weird present day music in there. There's a scene where a character performs a song and that song was just produced way too well because it sounds like something that would have come out a few years ago. Yeah, it's it does. It's kind of jarring. Um, I agree with you on that one. The first half really went more into that era of music and it was more isolated. And this one is really bouncing all over the place. It stays in the current day for the most part, but it's or not in the current day. It stays in the 70s for the most part, but the music does bounce around. It With the song you were talking about, it did sound like a Britney Spears song. But, um, <laughs> yeah. I really like the Get Down Part 2. Was it underwhelming? Yes. But it set up a lot of story for the Get Down, I guess, RC. like Part 3, maybe? Season 2, really? Because it's kind of <laughs> just one season in parts. But I really, personally, I really enjoyed it. Uh, I like the original songs they had for the show. The sets is always really cool. Uh, there's never a part where I was like, hmm, that's not really the 70s. Let's move on to our other Netflix show, 13 Reasons Why. The basic premise of the show is this girl, this 17-year-old girl, Hannah Baker. Um, and she commits suicide. And when she does, she leaves 13 tapes essentially blaming people for her suicide. Yeah, what um, what's good about this show? I don't want to say what's good about this. This show is pretty. This show is interesting because the first half really feels more like a murder mystery, and so I got really hyped up about that. And then the end of it was more like a teen soap drama. It was more like continuous episodes of Degrassi, which I was not as hyped about. Yeah, I mean, when the show was being made, the producers they went and talked to lots of people about how they should make it. Right. Um. And it's well known in the world of psychology that copycat suicides are a thing. And while I think it was important to have representation of like mental health issues in the media, it was also done really poorly because we have this girl who blames 13 people for her suicides um, or for her suicide. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, anyway, um, and then they show her suicide in graphic detail. So Selena Gomez had a part in producing and making sure the show could air on Netflix, and she talked about the, um, I guess, the gratuity or the reality of her suicide and how that was shown in the um, very last episode. I guess that's that's not too spoilery, mm-hmm. but um. So yeah, she talked about that, and she said that she she really wanted to add that in there just so people know that this is a real thing and that this really affects people. And I do think that message is received in the show, that this is real. This is very real. They switch between um, time periods in the show before she committed suicide, showing her perspective, and after showing what people saw of her. Um, one of the most powerful visual elements of the show is the filter that they use for the past and the present. In the past, everything is bright, everything is warm. You get this sense of, okay, this is a regular show, or this is just how things would look in real life. Another powerful visual image of this show is when they show Hannah Baker's locker and the present day. It's adorned with flowers, pictures of her that people might not have shared when she was there. And so that's really powerful to see that in the past, it was just empty and it was just a regular locker. But once she, um, 
but <laughs> once she's gone, everybody starts to remember her more fondly and treat her memory with more respect than when she was there. Uh, I really like the scene where her mom was at the school uh, talking to the principal, and she ran into a student in the hallway who was placing roses on a memorial for her daughter. And she said, if you guys really knew her, you would know that she hates roses. She thinks they're cliche. Mm-hmm. And that just really shows, uh, in a reference to another scene, how no one in school really cares about you until you're gone. And then, like, when you die or kill yourself, you're suddenly they're just the nicest people around. And they they treated you with the utmost respect and love while you were around. I'd like to delve into that more because... Uh Last semester, a friend of mine committed suicide, actually, and the people, the main people that were actually being mean to him, they were posting on Instagram everything saying, oh, I miss him, he was always smiling, being happy. Half of those people, they were bullying him, calling him trash because he looked funny, because he because he got first place in the science fair, they called him a dork, stuff like that, and just took it to a whole another level of a, just a bright kid doing things. Yeah, I do want to talk um, again about the mirrors the show has to reality, right? Um, Because like you were saying about Selena Gomez wanting to show that suicides are a real thing that happen to real people. That is true, and that is very fair. Um, And that representation is important. But there are also three major... um, I don't want to say trigger warnings because that word is overused, but I'm going to say trigger warnings for people. Um, there are graphic representations of rape. There are graphic representations of suicide. And there's mentions of self-harm. So um, if you're someone who is going to be a- deeply affected by those things, because they are real and it's not just a TV show. These are things that happen to people that you know. So if you are someone who's going to be affected by that, don't watch the show. Don't put yourself through that. It's not that important. Um, one thing to note for the episodes that do have um, graphic content, there are graphic content warnings before them. So just know those are the things that are delved into in those episodes. So it is very um, touch and go That's in that. True. They don't just push it on you. They let you know what's going to happen. So they don't let you dive into it. They let you know that there's something there so you can skip it or not watch it. I um sorry. I agree. Um just I wanted to put it out there for people who um are really easily affected that generally throughout the ho- whole show you're aware that those things are there and if that's something that you can't handle that's more important than watching a TV show. Yes, the show is very intense. Uh don't expect Hannah to just show up at the end of the show wearing a hoodie watching pe- no, she's she's dead. There's it's not a happy show. More mental health discussions. Check out voxatl.com. Just just talk about Shaft. Okay. So now we're going to move on to our retro cinema section. And, yeah. So basically, as a teen you who likes movies, you sort of always feel like there's so much more that you can catch up on. And there's so many movies that came out before you were born that you, don't, that you might not even know about. So what I want to do with this is recommend some movies that are... Um, not from the last decade that people might not have seen but need to because they're important or yeah or they're really good but not even but not like gone with the wind classic but like shaft or something that people might not know about so kalu is shaft the one with the nice theme song 
Yeah, it is. It's really great. It was actually made for the movie, um, and it was uh, it was suggested by the director of Shaft, which is Gordon Parks. And what's so important about this movie is that it kicked off the black exploitation era of movies, which put more black people in cinemas and on screens and on the map, basically. Yeah, it really just put black cinema on the map because it let um, uh, African-American directors do what they wanted and tell people about their culture that might not have known about it before. All right, so, so cool. As a person that's never seen this movie before, can you tell me who Shaft is and what role he plays in the movie? So yeah, Shaft is our main character, played by Richard Roundtree, who is this really great, charismatic um, guy who could carry lines like he could carry a, a purse, and every guy carries a purse, so you know he could carry those lines. Um, <clears throat> Shaft, Shaft's character is basically this badass um, private detective who is only loosely connected to the cops, but he so hmm, so he sort of doesn't mesh with the official system, and he's sort of out of that. Gosh. Jurisdiction? Keep going, because then I'll ask, so does that work to his advantage or disadvantage? Yeah, just keep going, man. Power yeah. through it. Yeah, just keep going. Yeah. Um, You're talking about how he's not directly so, associated with the cops. Cool. So, like... Mm. So, what's great about the character is that um, he really pokes fun at race relations in this era with his sort of, like, quippy and quick and hard-hitting dialogue which was really a great part, once again, written by Gordon Parks as well as directed. Um, so, as you say, with the punchlines that Shav actually uses in the hard-hitting dialogue, does that work to move the crowd or does it have any effect at all? On, um, for, like, the audience or for, um, the, or in the movie? The audience, mm-hmm. the audience in general, just people watching. Oh, yeah, for... Well, I kind of watched it in my own house, um, so I don't know about how other people would feel about it. But for me, it was really funny to see him do this because he just made all these jokes about race and it made all the um, white people that were his superiors in the movie feel really uncomfortable. And I thought that was funny and it sort of edged his character in as this sort of um, rebel with a cause trying to solve whatever case he gets. All right, one more question. Uh, do you think we'll ever see a Shaft movie starring Michael Sarah? Uh, well, <laughs> I'd say it's a strong possibility nowadays, actually. Um, under a Trump presidency, we can see whatever. Now I'm going to tell you about some trailers that just dropped. There was Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, the second iteration of this team, um, it, which is in second iteration of this team which is tied to the marvel cinematic universe and spoiler alert in 2018 you'll see them cross over with the avengers so you might want to see this movie um and then something else that we had is master of none season two which is just this great comedic and semi-serious show by aziz ansari who is um this this really wonderful intelligent and um quippy comedian who came out with this book called Modern Love, and that's really what this show is about, Modern Love. Um, it's really great, though. It's based in New York, uh, and it airs on Netflix, so see it when you can. It's cool. I'll definitely make sure to check out Guardians of the Galaxy because 
I'm a huge Marvel fan. And I will look into Master of None. And also Shab, because that seems like a must-see. Up next is Kiana Martin-Sanders with her interview with special guest, Vox Investigates editor, Talia Butts. So I'm here with Talia Butts, Vox Investigates editor. How you doing today, Talia? Girl, I'm doing good, girl. Fly. Okay. So can you tell me exactly what Vox Investigates is? Vox Investigates is an intensive journalistic experience for Vox teens. It's a team that investigates a certain topic that pertains to the youth of Atlanta, Georgia. Um, and basically we just take it from a teen's perspective on a really like major issue and we dive in, we investigate with mentors. Okay, that sounds good. So how was your experience as Vox Investigates editor this semester? It was a very interesting time in my life, considering it was my second semester of senior year. Um, so it was intense. It was demanding. But I feel as though the product that will come from all this effort will make it worth all of the sweat, blood, and tears I have put into the last couple months of my life. What's your What's one of your favorite articles from this year's Vox Investigates piece? My favorite article is um, an article that, can I say names? Okay, the article that Maya is doing, um, which is about like mental health and the transition from high school to college. And she like interviewed a bunch of people and like she's just really going into that whole process. I think that's really important. So, yeah. So, do you find that you one of the perks of being a box investigates editor, you enjoy seeing um, your team members actually go out in the field and get interviews and experience things? Yeah. What you actually answered no question. So, how have your thoughts or views on mental health changed since working with this year's Vox Investigates team? It has allowed me to understand the different layers of mental health and the different facets. I think that's a word of mental illness, and um, just made me realize that there's a lot more to it than meets the eye. So with everything you've actually learned about mental health, do you take your own mental health more seriously or are you more aware of anything? Girl, yes. I just started a Pinterest board on self-care, girl. I'm trying to get me a nightly routine, a morning routine, meditation, yoga. Like, I'm just trying to get with it at this point because I know that if I get with it, it's going to be good. Okay. So what's one fact about mental health that you've learned so far? I learned that I learned that one in five women and one in eight men um, are diagnosed with mental health or mental illnesses. And I also learned that that is misleading considering that a majority of men do not report um, or go to a doctor about their mental health. So that those statistics might be very biased. So, yeah, that's what I learned. Oh, wow. That's interesting. Okay. So for the last part of the interview, I actually have a speed round of some questions. Speed round? What is true, it Jeopardy? True or false questions. Um, it's only three. It's okay. So 
True or false, 17.1 million young people have or have had a diagnosable psychiatric disorder. Yeah, true. Ding, ding, ding. <laughs> Good job. That is true. Second question. 50% of mental health disorders begin before age 14. True or false? False. Oh, I'm sorry. What? That's actually correct. How? <laughs> okay. Agoraphobia is the fear of people that have mental illnesses. True. I'm sorry. What That's the- actually false. Agoraphobia is the fear of situations and places that might cause panic, helplessness, or embarrassment. Thank you for participating, Talia. <laughs> you did such a great job. Okay, bye. All of these facts were from childmind.org. All right, guys. So here at Vox, we have a tradition of doing a special go-around question at the beginning and end of every meeting we do. So, to honor the first ever VoxCast, we're going to do a special go-around question of what is your favorite album of all time and why? So we're going to start with Khalil. So my favorite album is Kendrick Lamar's To Pimp a Butterfly. It came out in 2015. It was so fly. I had that album on repeat for so long, and his flow and lyrical content was just out of this world. I'm talking Mars, Pluto, Jupiter. Pluto's not a planet, but you know, it's out of this world, just like Dimpip a Butterfly. 2015, so awesome, TDE. So this is Mac. My favorite album is probably In Utero by Nirvana. That's uh, Kurt Cobain is one of my role models, and that album is probably what put me on to Kurt Cobain most. My favorite album, honestly, is too many, but my favorite artist is Chris Brown, so debate your mom. Um, my favorite Chris Brown album probably has to be... I'm sorry, y'all. My favorite Chris Brown album has to be Fame because it came out right after Graffiti, which was a down album for him because it happened after that whole Rihanna album. So Fame kind of like... Fame kind of yeah, fame kind of put him back on the map and like made him more appealing in the eye of everybody else afterwards. And it was like every song on the album was literally great, and I loved it. Really, and my favorite album of all time—it's not really well known, but oh well—is um, called One X by Three Days Grace, um, and it's one of the few albums that. There's actually not a single song on that entire album that I don't like. There's some that I like less, but there's nothing that I dislike. Now it's back to me, your wonderful, gracious host, Kenneth Franklin. I would just say that my favorite album of all time, uh, well, I don't really have one because my opinions change a lot, but my most recent favorite album is We Got It From Here, Thank You For Your Service by A Tribe Called Quest because these guys... Well, first, big ups to Five Dog, rest in peace. But these guys haven't released an album in almost 20 years, and then they come back on the jump sounding good as hell. Like, it didn't make sense. A lot of people were worried that it was going to be a bad album, and I'm actually, like, super stoked and happy that Five Dog got to record it before he died because his, like, energy on the album is just so raw and just so there. Like, uh, kind of like what Haley said, there's not a single song of the album that I don't like. And all the tributes to Five Dog, like, I'm um, black, spasmodic, just, it's, it's a really good album. You should 
listen to it. If you aren't, you're doing yourself a disservice. Thank you for your service. Thank you everyone for listening to our first episode. We plan on doing a lot more this year, uh, especially with the VoxCast, so look out for that. Check out our stories on VoxATL.com. I'm your host, as always, hopefully, Kenneth Franklin. I definitely don't uh, do you want to have it written down? You don't know what you do? I know, I know what I do. That's what I'm saying. I literally don't have it physically written down. And you can say, you have to be written question to ask you, you can answer it. Yeah. Okay, Wait, can we come Percocet. back to the Molly Percocet. What are you writing? Percocet. No, we were doing it now. Rep the set. Gotta rep the set. Chase a check. Never chase a chase no mask off. Your mask off. Yeah. Mask off. Your mask off. Mask off. That was good. Yeah, that was good, guys. Let's um wrong studio, but um right spirit. Just like wrong studio, right spirit. Yo, OVO, call us, man.